Blog Talk Radio. Hi, this is Russ Terry, founder and CEO of Life Coach Radio Network. Today's sponsor is Audible.com, a leading provider of spoken audio entertainment and information. Listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want. Get a free audiobook when you sign up for a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash lifecoachradio. That's audibletrial.com slash lifecoachradio. And now, here's today's show. Good evening, everyone. This is Maisha Avery, and I am also with this evening Russ Terry, the founder and CEO of Life Coach Radio Network. I also have Trina Ramsey with me, Don Cotribble, Turkson, Michelle Young, Nikki Tobias, Talicia Ellis, and Brenda Beard. Um, this evening, we're going. We're coming to you this evening to discuss. Can't we all just get along? Race in America, and this is actually part two of our series. We did this show last year, and we're coming to you all again this year. Um, the main focus around this show this evening is we just want to bring a call to action um, on positive awareness um, where we're just basically letting go of fear, mistrust within our community. There has been so many things that have been going on in terms of violence, police brutality, and so we just wanted to come together to make a positive impact, share our insight, and just come together to promote positivity, and just how can we come together as one. So let's go ahead and start this evening's show. Um, So what I first want to do is everyone can just briefly introduce themselves if they would like. Um, I'll first start off with myself. Um, Again, my name is Maisha Avery. I am a radio show host on Life Coach Radio Network. I am the founder and CEO of Inspire to Change, where we help inspire, motivate, and educate others into a healthier lifestyle. Um, So if anyone wants to take next, and we'll go ahead and introduce ourselves. Russ, go ahead and get started. Hey, it's Russ. Okay, I can go. Uh, I'm Russ Terry, founder and CEO of Life Coach Radio Networks, and I am white. And I just wanted to say that because I think it is relevant these days because there is so much negativity, and obviously tonight's show is about positivity, and I love that we have a diverse group of three white individuals and three black individuals tonight. And I think we are living proof that we're all coming together to figure out some potential solutions. And I like to think that I have a balanced perspective and a passion for diversity and inclusion, but I look forward to learning things tonight, and hopefully all of you listening will too. And for the next introduction, let's go to our executive producer of special projects, which includes episodes such as this one, Trina Ramsey. Trina, go ahead and introduce yourself. Thanks so much, Russ. My name is Trina Ramsey, and I am the founder and CEO of Perspectives Plus Coaching, and I have had the pleasure of being part of Life Coach Radio Network for two and a half years now. It's been an amazing ride. And I am an African-American woman, and I have two children. Well, they're not children anymore. They're they're 23 and 18. And so part of the perspective that I bring to this show tonight is as 
an African-American woman, also a woman with a tall, six-foot-tall, dark and handsome young black man (laughs) raising him and bringing him into the world and in this space that we're in. And I'm very grateful to be here, and I am based in the Washington, D.C. area. Oh, and I also host Career Talk with Coach Trina on Life Coach Radio Networks monthly. So should I pass the baton along to someone else? <laughs> that Kristen, sounds great. Do you want to go? <laughs> sure. Hi, everyone. My name is Kristen Young. I am the marriage enthusiast and founder of Living the Vows, where we focus on bringing joy to marriages. So we are specifically focused on newlywed couples. Um, and more specifically, newlywed wives. Uh, But it's a great opportunity to work through some of the kinks and some of the things that you thought you knew that you didn't really know. But, um, but yeah, we are all about healthy, healthy, lively, and vibrant marriages. So I'm excited to be here. I actually host a show on the Life Coach Radio Network every first Sunday called Family Values with Kristen Michelle. And... um, this is a great opportunity to come together with a lot of the the colleagues and, and co-hosts on the show, some I haven't talked to in a while. Um, but this is always a, a very, very relevant conversation that we're having tonight. I am one of the black people on the line. Um, but it, um, it's, it's awesome. It's awesome, and um, it's very necessary. It's, it is absolutely necessary. So I look forward to uh, a great conversation this evening. Well, I'll Excellent. go next. Oh, I'm I'm sorry. I, I was supposed That's to say okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> I will take your baton, please. I'm passing the baton. <laughs> well, my 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 name is Brenda Baird, and I'm a certified professional coach, and I'm also a radio host uh, for Life Coach Radio Network. The name of my show is Being a Leader Live with Brenda Baird, and the topics we talk about are related to leadership. And my philosophy is that we are all leaders somewhere in our lives, and certainly we are the leader of our own life. So we try to bring relevant topics to the show, and diversity is one of those topics um, that I think is relevant for leaders as well. So I'm really excited to be a part of this discussion. I'm a white female that was born in the Midwest. I live, grew up in a small town of about 1,500 people, um, 100% white community, right next door to a 100% black community and communities fed into one high school. So I, I grew up with this thought of race relations, racial tensions, the differences in culture and how they can clash sometimes. And so I hope that I can bring that perspective to this conversation, what that felt like growing up. And then secondly, my my professional career was in the wireless communications business and we service law enforcement vehicles and first responders. So I have a lot of friends who are also in the law enforcement work, and so I hear what they have to say and their concerns. So hopefully um, tonight's show will just bring about some greater awareness for unity, uh, that we're kind of all in this thing together, and I'm looking forward to the conversation. Thanks. I pass the baton to whoever is left, Danica, I think. That would be me. Hi, everyone. I'm Danica Trevel. I am a family life coach. I 
am so passionate about helping parents and children, specifically teenagers, understand each other's perspectives so that the home life can be an environment of healthy communication so that when our next generation of leaders, which are our teens and our young adults of today, go out into the world, into their their lives, they can lead from authentic places where they can speak their truth with love and respect in every culture so that the majority of these these issues can be abolished. When everybody is walking in their love and their truth, then there really is less, actually there's no need for any kind of misunderstandings at all because when everybody can understand each other's perspectives life has to function beautifully and so that's that's part of my my mission is just helping everybody get along because we were created to get along and I'm excited for this show I have a lot of I'll, I'll say perspectives rather than the word opinions but um I I'm honored to be in this with the people that have been brought together for this hour, and um, thank you. I'm I'm excited. So I guess it's it. I'm the last one, right? <laughs> yes, I believe you're that is you're Thank you so much, Jamika. And you know, Russ, I was I was looking at the group photo, and it's it's so funny that you say that our group. We started off saying that you were a white man. Our group is so very diverse, and I just really, 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 really love it. Um, I love being a part um, of such a group of diverse individuals. Um, I didn't introduce myself prior to, but I am one of the three black women on the panel. Um, I think my perspective is a little bit different because I don't have any children, so that's definitely something that I would like to talk about um, with especially with Trina and um, Kristen about your thoughts and your perspectives, or how do you how do you basically raise children in the society with everything that is going on? Maisha, it's and, Russ. We do have another host on Talisha Ellis. So Talisha, oh, would yay. you like to introduce yourself? Yes. Hello, everyone. Sorry for my lateness, taking care of the little grandbaby. Um, but I'm Talisha Ellis, and I am a host also on the, the Life Coach Radio host, and been here for about a year and a half. I'm a well-being coach because I really have a really deep passion for seeing people get out of crisis mode and living in, in a life of um, just passion and freedom to be who they are. So in my business, I, I provide services to help support um stress management, high performance, and just living a life that you love. And like you all have said, this is a much-needed topic. Um, I love that we have a, a variety of different hosts with different perspectives on here. My, me, myself, I grew up in Florida, um, and a lot of people ask me, how did I wind up in the D.C. metro area? Um, well, one of the reasons was because of racial injustice that I saw and raising a teenage boy and raising a teenage daughter. I just couldn't see myself living in Florida. So I moved to the northeastern area and been here about 10 years. So um, hopefully I can share how I feel like this world can move forward in the midst of all this that's going on. And I'll pass the baton. 
And Maisha, this is Danica. I would definitely want to talk about um, the interaction between kids because I have two teenage sons, and my, my older son actually wrote a, an amazing paper on this topic, and I would love to share his perspective with everyone when we get to that. So I just wanted to, to front-end load a little bit with that. Oh, Danica, that will definitely um, be welcome. Um, now, I want to let me, let me just jump back a little bit because I didn't want to get too far into the show. I definitely want to hear, as I say to everyone and their opinion, on raising children in this society. But let's jump back a little bit because I remember um, Brenda stating, you know, the era in which she grew up in and um, how it impacted her and her perspective. Um, now, for my so we can start off with that a little bit. For myself, um, I was born in New Jersey. I was raised mostly in um, South Carolina, a very small, 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 small town. Um, it was very um, different. It was back in that time. It was very much black and white. Um, I grew up in school. I went. I predominantly went to I went to private schools where it was mostly mixed. I wasn't it wasn't a lot of black students there to be honest. But I was always taught I came from such a diverse family, so I was always taught, um, even though I was in those environments, my perspective was I was always taught that you don't see color. Um, so that's why for me now, being older and seeing everything and seeing everything that is going on in the media and everything, it's just really different for me to kind of take in or my perspectives are all over because growing up, even though I was in those very different environments, I was just always taught that you don't judge people based off of their color. So now that I've gotten older and I'm seeing and we're actually seeing these things that are playing out, even though it has been going on, but it's just that social media is able to get out quicker, um, it's just a bit different to see that all of this is going on now. So I'm kind of taking it all in and my perspectives are all all over and maybe they'll come out as we have more discussions. I love that everyone has spoken about where they grew up. I think that's a really relevant point that I didn't think to make, so I'm grateful to all of you for bringing it up. For me, I grew up in a very, very white suburb of Philadelphia. Like, there was literally one black family in my school with two kids, and there certainly wasn't anybody in my class. They were in other classes. And then I went to a Catholic – I went all through Catholic school – uh, first grade through high school, and then a Catholic college, which was also not very diverse. Uh, I went to Villanova University, and it was jokingly referred to as Vanilla Nova uh, for being <laughs> so vanilla, even though it's an excellent school. And it's crazy. When I started my real job after graduating, um, it was September, and it was the first day um, of Rosh Hashanah. And the woman who welcomed us at orientation said, happy Rosh Hashanah. And I didn't even know what that was. So that just shows how sheltered I was, you know, even within the white community. I didn't have any Jewish friends because I went to Catholic school for so long. So 
Uh, I'm very glad that I now live in New York City, which is a huge melting pot, Mm -hmm. as all of you know. And I do work at Rutgers University, Newark, which is the most diverse uh, university in the country. Uh, As a white person there, I'm totally outnumbered, and there's every race there, which is so incredibly inspiring and amazing to see. And uh, it has been interesting, though, as all of the bad things that have happened this year, seeing a lot of the Facebook commentary, um, a lot of the reactions and negative stuff uh, has come from perhaps uh, the part of me and my history that is closer to where I grew up. In other words, the white suburbs of Philadelphia. And um, I don't necessarily have that view anymore, but some of the views I've seen from others that are a little more um, narrow uh, are coming from there. So for me, it's a tough spot to be in because I, you know, still uh, uh, I don't bear any ill will toward everyone back home. But when I see certain views, then that makes me feel a certain negative kind of way. And uh, I think we all feel negative when we see reactions on social media and I don't necessarily want to start down the social media rabbit hole if we're not Mm -hmm. ready to on the show but (laughs) I know for me that's something that made me want to do this show again because there was just so much negativity on social media and uh, I don't like it I'm a very positive person and hopefully if uh, people are listening tonight Uh, anything they can do to uh, enhance and encourage positivity on Facebook and um, uh, other social media and not negative messaging. And I'll now step down off my long-winded soapbox. (laughs) (laughs) I think we all share that same view about the social media and the news. It's it's so unfortunate, but that's one of my opinions. (laughs) <laughs> and I did this is Danica again I didn't share where I came from and it was um well it's because I was so ashamed of it for so long I grew up in a small like I, you can't even call it a town it was like a road and I think there might have been like mm, I don't know uh, 500 people in my entire county in my graduating class and that was probably the biggest class we'd ever had and more more locally, personally, I grew up in a very Christian home, but it wasn't one that was based on love. It was based on, on judgment and fear, and it, it was very – it just – even as a child, it didn't resonate with me because that's what ended up leading me to – eating disorders. I never felt like I could speak my truth. And so every time I tried, I would get shut down or told I was wrong or, you know, my best was never good enough. Even when I was trying to, to be friends with people who weren't quote, like me, and none of that made sense in the walls of my home. And so not realizing I could have a voice and stand up for the injustice, I can see how people do start behaving. And like I said, mine in, in the behavior of eating disorders. And so it has unfolded throughout my life that I just notice the injustices and it just breaks my heart. And there are times, honestly, 
I don't even like to say on my whatever, you know, if I'm doing a survey or something, it says ask me my ethnicity. And I'm like, other, because I don't, you know, I don't want to say that yeah. I'm white mm-hmm. because it's just, Interesting. It's, it's really, really, I just, it, it, it I, the, for a lot of reasons doing that. But, you know, I mean, it's just injustice is so unnecessary because, underneath it all we're all the same we all have emotions we all have perspectives we all have great ideas we all have voices and we all were put on this earth to add value to each other's lives so what does it matter if I have dark hair and someone has blonde hair it doesn't matter and so my soapbox has just been pulled out from under me, so I'll, I'll step down. <laughs> I, this is Brenda, and I, I was telling you I grew up in a small community of white people next door to the community that was 100% black, and they all fed into one high school. And it was in the 60s when my brother and sister were actually were going to high school, and the racial tensions then were really high. And there would be times that the school would actually be on lockdown because people were protesting oh, wow. for civil civil rights. And I remember being scared, and I remember seeing police. And I would have probably been around the fourth or fifth grade, and none of it really made any sense to me. And my parents wanted me to grow up in a way that we realized that everyone should be treated by their, and respected for the character that they project out. And my mom over dinner one night, she said something, and it was said earlier in this call, and it just resonated with me. My mom said, "There no the, the black people at the school are no different than we are. I remember looking at her vividly and saying, but they are different. Their skin is different. And she just looked at me. And throughout hmm. most of my childhood and into my adulthood, I feel like that very early on I had this, my own personal self-awareness that people are different. Each one of us is different, different white people, different black people, Asian, Hispanic, you name it. We are different. And where I hope we can get to as a society someday is that we recognize that we're female or we're male or we're gay or we're straight or we're black or we're white. And it just plain doesn't matter. We can still function and and thrive and get along and not get along, but it doesn't have to be through violence, that we recognize that we're all different and it's okay, (laughs) you know, because we are. We'll never be one and the same. I mean, we just come from such uniquely different backgrounds. Even on this call today, you know, we, you know, those three white women come from completely, white people come from completely different backgrounds with completely different experiences, and so we are different. And uh, so what? That's, that's just so how what? I've always felt. Yes. So what, you know, just oh, so God. what? <laughs> wow. I know that I've, there's some prejudice. You know, I'm a white female, so, you know, somehow I think it also gets portrayed that if you're, you're white in America, things are easier. But, you know, there have been times when um, I have felt prejudice because I'm a woman. I was a woman in a workplace that was a predominantly male industry. Um, there have been times where I went to school. 
Hope was, you know, there was a prejudice about it. It wasn't quite as prestigious as another school. And so I think we all face this, these times where we're judged on things and we, we really scratch our heads and say, well, what difference does it make? And I, you know, especially being prejudiced against as being a woman, you have no control over, over that. And, um, and yep, I'm a woman, and yep, when I'm in the boardroom next to a male leader, we are different. We're going to think differently. We're going to maybe process things differently, but we could come to the same conclusion and have the same result. And we shouldn't be denied our opportunities just because of that. So, Well, you know, I love what you said. This is Trina, and that was Brenda, right? Yes. Okay. I love what you said about the... We're we're all different, but so what? Yeah. Because I really think we're at a crossroads mm-hmm. in our society right now um, where I think that we had gotten, you know, we've had eight years of having an African-American president who broke a barrier, and, mm-hmm. um, and then he got reelected. And so I think it kind of, on one hand, it made it so that it felt like, okay, like, We are now, we have now arrived to be this colorblind society, Um, but clearly that's not true because a lot of things are bubbling up and things are coming to light. And and as you said, Maisha, some of the injustices have been going on all along, but now we have camera phones and social media and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. But I also think that we are also at this kind of crossroads where the multiculturalism is starting to take hold much more in our society. We have so many more mixed-race families. We have a lot of, you know, a lot of people, and it's not just black, white, it's Asian, Hispanic, black, Asian, I mean, just the whole gamut that you will see. And then you will also see more people who you can't quite tell what their racial background is because they're blended. Mm -hmm. And I think that when I look at the way that my children interact with the world, it is a much more um, open. It's much more open Mm -hmm. in terms of, yeah, we're all just people. Um, Mm -hmm. But at the same time, there is some scripting that that gets thrown in there, you know, in terms and and I think because we've all gotten very comfortable with thinking that we had arrived at that colorblind place, that it it rocks us because it catches us off guard because we're not at the place where Brenda grew up where there were so many um, you know um, injustices as a whole class of people. These are now individual instances that we are, are, are fighting against and, and trying to make it so that people are seen as equal and not less than. Uh, but at the same time, it's it's waking up people. I think there's a re- reawakening that's happening and the conversation is put on a new um, playing field right now. And social media does play a role in it as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that social media is has its good and its bad. And if if we could give it a good, you know, high five, 
is that there are times when it does put the spotlight on some topics that other people may have never been exposed to. So, mm-hmm. you know, those, and I think about the people who are still living in my hometown that may not ever have the experience of working or living next to someone who may be different than them. And, um, and I think social media has allowed us to sort of put our spotlight on the things that are really, really bothering us. The problem is that they haven't read Russ's book to understand how grateful they need to be about that and, you know, to turn that negative into a positive. So, there you go. <laughs> Thank you, Brenda. Um, you're welcome. <laughs> of my book, I certainly wouldn't have done it, but I'm happy that. Uh, He'll pay you later. Yeah, happy to have uh, gratitude plugs during this yeah. show. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, Brenda, this is Felicia. They can't read. They're definitely not reading this book because they're just eating all of the things that are perpetuating the beliefs that they have had. You know. Social media and TV has its plus and its negatives. Um, I yeah. do have, I have a love-hate relationship with it. I mean, I really am not a person to put all of my business out there, but I know that, that it's nice to be able to, like you said, um, enter into people's lives that you probably would never, ever be able to enter into because a business colleague may be doing something that you may have never done, and you know, or the okay. recipes and all this. But then there comes all of the outpouring of information on social media, and I said it perpetuates um, some negative beliefs because um, I always pick it pick on some people that are maybe afraid of flying or something. I call them the TV people because they've seen something on TV or they've seen or they've heard something, and social media and, and the media and everything kind of feeds into that. Um, give you an example, like all of the movies, a lot of movies about black people. It's about gangs and, and fighting and violence, um, even though it's so much, you know, our culture and our race is so much more than that. So if someone has never been around them, um, that's what they see. Mm-hmm. Oh, and that's what they get right. perpetuated. So, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Sorry about the crying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you were talking about all the blends of races. My grandson, yeah, he's a, a mix of a couple of races. So, you know, it's a, it's a beautiful thing when it just doesn't yeah. matter. And where we live now, that's kind of like it is. If you, you think New York's a melting pot here where we are, um, yeah, it's no so many races that are mixed together. Yeah, that's beautiful. And this is and Danica. Fine. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Danica. Oh, I was just um, scrolling through my son's um, article, and this kind of piggybacks to what you were just saying, um, Kalisha. One of the things that Jack wrote when he this was when he was 16. He's now 19 and a half, but that's crazy because I'm only 25, so I don't know how all that happened. Yeah, I did. Um, Anna, did you that? <laughs> I'm not I'm not telling my secrets. But, <laughs> but one of the things he wrote was stereotypes and judgmental thinking can prevent you from possibly meeting the nicest person you've ever seen or hiring the most prolific worker you could ever imagine just because of his or her appearance. When people stereotype, they take God out of the equation. God can use anybody or anything to help you learn a lesson 
or to help someone else out or for absolutely anything. And taking away that chance by excluding yourself from certain people is not a good thing to do. When a good thing becomes a God thing, it's a bad thing. Mm-hmm. That's pretty profound for a 16-year-old. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Hey, I Absolutely. Beautiful. Thank you. Beautiful. And he wrote all of that himself. I mean, it's, it's a longer article, and it's actually on my um, on my blog, but he went as far as to literally put himself in a position where he felt like the minority. He sat there, and he wanted to experience what that felt like so mm. that he could really just um, understand and it has okay. changed him forever. And, again, as a 16-year-old, so if a 16-year-old boy can do this, one of those, quote, teenagers, there's yeah. no reason that people of older years can't do the same. Absolutely. There was this phrase at my old job, put yourself in each other's shoes. And I think those are really excellent words to live by, uh, whether it's, Put yourself in the shoes of someone who is of a different race um, and certainly understand what their perspective is and how how they experience and what they experience and maybe the racism that they experience even in 2016. But even as I'm thinking about it and talking about it now, putting myself in the shoes of, let's say, a white person who doesn't share my views and mm. perhaps appears on the surface to be uh, Mm. at least some percent racist uh, Mm -hmm. and, you know, how they may have come to have those views and maybe what I can do to help them change um, and trying not to judge them for their views that I don't necessarily agree with, but um, maybe trying to start a conversation and figuring out what some potential solutions are that we both agree with. Yeah, this is Alicia. I heard, I was looking at some news the other day, and I saw where um, it was some, I don't I don't know what they called their group, but it was white people. They were protesting um, an NAACP event, and they interviewed one white guy, and he said that the reason why they were protesting is because everybody was making it seem like white people didn't matter anymore. So, you know, like you said, looking at it from a different perspective, you know, I know we say black lives matter because we understand our struggle, but someone else, they don't understand the struggle. Um, So saying that they don't matter, like maybe putting everybody in a box, can perpetuate it also. And that brings me to, this is Naisha, that, uh sorry, that brings me to something else that I, I wanted to say, um, and Trina kind of talked, to, and that's what brought me to my point is listening to what Trina was saying. I think that a, a lot of a lot of what is going on, um, the racial tension, all of this. I think that, and I think I said this last year, but I believe that down at the bottom of it all, I believe that it's just number one. We know that it's a whole lot of assumption because we're judging people. You know, we as I talk about. Us as a society, we judge people based off of, you know, color, skin color, all of those things. And then I also think that a big part of it is that whoever we are, I think that's what's causing the issues 
or the individuals that are involved in racism and those things. They want to prove who's right and who's wrong. And it's not it's not about that. It's about us being human. And like Danica was saying that at the end of the day we all have emotions. We all go through different struggles in life. We all may endure the same struggles in life, whether black, white, in any anything. We all we're none of us are exempt from going through the same things in life. So why does it have to be this whole combat of I'm right because I'm white, you're wrong because you're black, black lives matter, they don't, or, you know, from what others are saying, you know, we feel we're protesting because we feel like as a white person that our race doesn't matter. Why why are we fighting to matter because of our skin color? Why are we not fighting together, coming together and fighting and standing up for humans, period? Mm-hmm. And that's where I believe that we – I don't know how to get there. Well, I do have some ideas, but we're, I, I feel sometimes I feel at a loss because we're in such a society, and this just goes back to just when I look on social media, is when things go on, sometimes I just have to disconnect myself because it's so much, like Russ is saying, it's so much negativity. And for the most part, I try to be, you know, a positive person, but it's so much negativity, and it's just like, we're not getting anywhere. I feel like we just continue to set ourselves back. Now, there are situations that I do believe that happen. And, you know, yes, some things I do believe are racially motivated, no doubt about it. But at the end of the day, my issue is how, how, can, we, how can we overcome, how can we get there? How can we begin to work together? Yeah. Well, well Marisha, I, oh, go ahead, go ahead Trina. Yeah, I think I think you you really just said a mouthful for sure. Um, I think a big part of it, you hit the nail on the head, and you know we as coaches we we definitely understand that a lot of um, problems that trip people up sometimes is about wanting to be right, and there's so much that is set up where it's win lose right now, so. Mm-hmm. So somebody is thinking out there that if someone is saying and standing up about black lives matter, that means nobody else's lives matter. And that couldn't be further than the truth. You know, yeah. the truth that's underlying that statement and that movement is really all about the fact that the statistics are showing that there's a great majority of people who don't really value those lives, and that is why it's so easy to pull the trigger. It's so easy to suppress. It's so easy to mm-hmm. take away the vote. It's so easy to just dismiss a whole class of people because it doesn't really matter to you. And so in asserting yourself as a as a race, it doesn't mean that you're actually trying to take away from someone else, but somehow I really do believe, and I'll go back to um, – um, President Obama, I really believe that when he was elected, it actually stirred up some latent racism mm-hmm. among people who felt sure. like they were starting not to matter. Because now, look, the black mm-hmm. are taking over the country. 
And mm-hmm. and so now when you have a certain um, candidate that I will not name, <laughs> he was touched. Uh, uh, he was touched that that fever pitch within certain people who have been starting to feel marginalized, whether it's true or not, it actually now is like a bonfire. It's like the wildfires in um, in California that the flame has been lit, and regardless of who wins the presidential election, the flame is lit. And so now we all have to really up our game to try to figure out, and that's part of the reason why I think it's so powerful for people like us who are positive and the people who are listening to us, um, we hope that you will join this conversation as well. I don't have the phone number in front of me, but we would love to hear callers um, because we know that we're not the only ones who who are determined to make a difference here, but it is going to take some digging in. I will yield the floor to another colleague. Thank you. Uh, this is Danica. <laughs> I, you touched on such a powerful uh, uh, statement saying that people want to feel right. And most of the time, it's not even necessarily they want to feel right. They just want to feel heard. I mean, if you look at Facebook, people just clearly need a platform Mm -hmm. to say anything, just to be heard (laughs) and to be seen and to be acknowledged. And we drill down to the root of everything, and that is the essence of life. Everyone was created to be acknowledged and accepted for who they are, not what they are, not what they look like, not what they do for a living, what they don't do for a living, to be seen and heard authentically. And while this isn't necessarily a soapbox statement about social media, but it is a part of it, as connected, air quotes, as people think they are with social media, the essence of relationships has been deteriorating since mm. the social media has been becoming that wildfire. And when relationships break down, look what happens. Mm. So really what we can do as individuals is start cultivating relationships again off of our screens. And that can help if we touch one person and then that person touches, it's like that old commercial line about, and they'll tell two friends and so on and so on. So it can't help but spread the positive. When we really make an individual effort to rekindle vocal and physical relationships that are not connected to a screen, that's Uh the part we can play. And then we can show others by example because we have got to start telling each other face-to-face or even voice-to-voice on the phone, you matter to me in this moment. Mm. Oh, that's powerful. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, it's really funny that you say that, Danica, about, you know, being connected, because I just recently read this article in Psychology Today, but there's a study, I think it's called Lost in Transmission, where this Mm -hmm. study has gone on to say that people or classes of people, generations of people who undergo certain trauma actually pass that trauma on to the next generation. And it can take several generations for the traumatic experience to sort of wear off. I don't know what other 
term to put yeah. to that. So if you right. think back about the the times that are behind us and those traumatic experiences, it it really you can understand why people feel so violated still to this day, mm-hmm. and and then to have new experiences happen with violence, it it just rekindles all of that trauma. And this new trauma will now carry forward onto the next generation. So right. it really is behoove of us to 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 just continue to be vigilant on getting people to recognize that violence, first of all, is not a way to solve problems. Communication, everyone has. To, I mean, if you look at any problem anywhere, it always breaks down to communication. So rekindling relationships, mm-hmm. reestablishing communication, getting involved yep. in your community, getting to know the people around you. And if yep. the people around you all look like you, get out into a different community. Yeah. You, would, you wouldn't believe how beautiful the world is and all of the things that we can learn from one another. And, I, you know, someday it has to stop. But, it, you know, the, the longer the trauma continues, the longer it will carry forward. And it's it's really quite frightening. <laughs> you know, we're at about the halfway point, and I want to make sure we touch on this topic. Trina alluded to it when she introduced herself. I cannot imagine what it's like to be the parent of, in this case, Trina, a black man, because of mm-hmm. so much that has happened to the young black men over the course of the last year or two. So I personally would love to hear your perspective on the emotions and the range of emotions and feelings you have mm-hmm. felt over the last year or two. Okay. So, um, and Russ, I think you you might remember that part of this whole um, effort that we started started with a kindness post that I put out there almost two years ago. Um, and this was right after everything that was happening with Trayvon Martin and Mar- and Michael Brown. And um, I remember having a conversation. My son is 18 now, so he was a bit younger. And he, again, um, colorblind. We live in the suburbs of Washington, D.C., so a lot of his friends are white. Um, he sometimes is the only um, black kid that's in their group, or maybe there's two, or maybe there's an Asian or two thrown in there. And um, I remember talking to him about all of the things that we, you know, have have grown to train our young men or remind them of, um, even as simple as wearing a hoodie, you know, and mm-hmm. how how you are, you know, regardless of how your friends, now his friends are amazing, actually, I'm really um, blessed. Um, by, you know, the group of young men that he surrounds himself with. But, um, but you know, being a, saying that, you know, if somebody is doing something wrong, you can't join in, you can't because, you know, regardless of who is, is actually, if, if, if something goes down, there's a higher likelihood that there's going to be a problem with you. Regardless, and he is the mm-hmm. most mild-mannered, um, gentle, generous, respectful young man you would ever want to meet. But he is also six foot one. 
Um, he's played sports, so he's very strong. And he wears, like, one of those chunky afros. You know, I'm always after him to, to brush or pick his hair out. Um, <laughs> and he has facial hair. You know, so, you know, especially as he's gotten into even fuller maturity, it is something that I have thought about. And even, you know, fast-forwarding into this year, those of you, I mean, everyone here, we're friends on Facebook, and you may have noticed that I have that tear photo sometimes. Mm -hmm. It's my profile picture. Mm -hmm. This Mm -hmm. has been a tough year for me. It's been a tough year for me. because also being um, involved in nonprofits that are connected um, to politics, I don't exactly have the same luxury of completely opting out of the news cycle. Um, mm-hmm. So um, being more connected to all that is going on and some of the hateful things that have been said um, and some of the generalizations that continue to happen there there have been periods, even this year, where I have just felt um, shut down. And But at the same time, me being who I am, I am determined to make a difference. I am determined to stand and to have a voice. And working at a nonprofit that is a nonpartisan, I actually got um, – I got chided for my post being too political. <laughs> um, and and then I felt a little bit disempowered because I felt like, wait, this is like one of the most important election years ever in our lifetime. Mm-hmm. And I cannot be silent or stifled. And so I have found, and I'm not going to go into it, but I have found ways that I can be involved. You can be involved. You can be a voice for people standing up and being counted and voting and things of that nature without actually, you know, um, beating the pavement um, and and um, campaigning for a specific candidate. And that's one of the things, to be, of, be in action and to apply yourself and to be invested in what the future of our country is. Okay. Long-winded mm-hmm. answer. Sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, I'm the parent of of a young man who I cannot imagine that the conversations I would have to have with him were about whether or not he could put the hood up on his sweatshirt, or if something goes down, son, son, you're going to be the one who's going to need to be the most worried about what's going to happen to you, and that's because you're African-American. I cannot imagine that the angst that you go through, um, I can't imagine the the anxiety that your son goes through. Um, like it, it would just seem to me like you would always be looking over your shoulder and always feeling like you had to defend yourself. And and I'm just so sorry for all that. I, I wish there was a magic formula that we could somehow write to make some of that go away because that is just wrong. <laughs> It's just wrong. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you yeah. for that. Yeah. It is. I, I think we all wish mm-hmm. there was some some kind of pixie dust and you know uh, <laughs> positive energy that we can just paint the whole world with right now. 
The majority of my circle of friends are young African-American men, like mid-30s to mid-20s, and I see their fear, and it's legitimate, and it's easy for us to be like, please, you, but it's a legitimate fear. I mean, my one friend, he is like the best friend I could possibly ever have, and he's like, D, I'm going to start taping my driver's license and my registration to my side window. He's like, it's not real out here. And, you know, it's just not something that I can imagine even when I put myself in his shoes. It's just because, first and foremost, it's so incomprehensible to me that we have gotten to this place in our society. And second of all, you know, to have to, you know, he's got a beautiful, almost one-year-old baby, and he's got to walk around thinking, I could go any minute and leave my son without a dad. Mm-hmm. Who? What? What? Oh, yeah. I better stop. I better stop. <laughs> no, it's a, it's a, it's a painful thought, and it can't help but stir, stir all of that emotion in you. I, I tell you though, like I shared at the very beginning, I have a lot of friends who are in the law enforcement, um, first responders group, and they share a similar anxiety when they're doing their job. that they never know what they're going to roll up on Mm -hmm. and what's going to come out at them. And so everyone's just living in this constant fear of each other. And, and it's, it's just not right. (laughs) I I, you really wonder if we really are overlooking the root cause. I understand racism Mm -hmm. is at the, at the root of so many things, but are we missing something about what's the root cause behind all the violence? Um, fear, fear. Yep. Fear. Yep. Mm-hmm. And lack yeah. of communication. And, yeah. yeah. And so, and I think from a, a fear perspective, it's about economics. Um, yeah. You know, there. You know, there is um, fear of not having enough, or opportunities being taken away from you. And yeah. um, you know, did I get me started on the gun lobby? You know, (laughs) there's the whole thing about, you know, rights and that's a whole debate. We could have a whole nother show about that. Um, Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. it is, you know, but but because everything is so amped up right now, everyone is on edge. And so, therefore, you know, um, people who have access to guns and are carrying them because they are fearful are more likely to misuse them, mm-hmm. you know, and, yeah. and I do. My father is a retired police officer, and, um, mm-hmm. and you know, I talked to him. I sought him out after the different police killings this year. It's mm-hmm. um, people who are called to serve should not have to fear for their life because they are serving and we know that mm-hmm. some of the killings that have happened um so, you know there are there definitely has has been in my opinion malicious intent or or disregard yeah. or just you know the whole not mattering thing but there yeah. are a lot of the majority of police officers the majority of people who are who are in those fields they are there because they care about people and they want to make a difference 
but some of them are scared mm-hmm. and some of them yep. are they're you know they're they're reaching for their gun before they should and things of yep. that nature so it's okay. just there's yeah. so many layers there's so many yeah. layers. And, then, and a lot of that is the fear something. and education go ahead Danica yeah oh I apologize for for interrupting I was just thinking about um life doesn't seem to matter of anyone's lives are so disposable now it seems because of the lack of connection between people mm-hmm. there are yep. no consequences for like cyberbullying you know so people can feel as if they're invincible from being so and being so isolated that life has lost its value in general mm-hmm. And listening to to this, it, it made me really just think about that. It's like there really are no, you know, it's like, meh, it's just another thing. There, There's like, because of that lack of connection and that lack of relationship, ooh, that just, that just really hit me. That was, that, that life matters, but yet it doesn't seem to as the more disconnected we get. Yeah, and yeah, a lot of that is, is the education. Go ahead, Maisha. I'm sorry. I was just I wanted to touch on what Danica was saying and Trina, what you were saying. It is number one, everything is going on now because it's so disconnected. And that goes back to yeah. what I was saying. It's either like, I'm right, you're wrong, I'm over here, you're over there, stand on the right, stand on the left. And that's why I say my perspective and my feelings, and that's why I don't really get into the whole social media because I'm much more of a call-to-action person, and I've stated that before. And so, number one, I don't want to sit on social media and go back and forth all day because that's all we're doing. Um, yep. that's, not, mm-hmm. that's not doing anything And a lot of those people that you see that are angry on social media They're off talking about something <laughs> else Completely different now It does. It's not mattering to them um, So that's, mm-hmm. that's my one thing Is why I don't get into it on social media And two, there is a very much a disconnect And my perspectives are all over the place Because like some of you are Like I have one great, great friend mm-hmm. And he's into law enforcement He's the first responder And it's just like two be friends with someone that shares so many of their feelings each and every day when they are mm-hmm. called to serve and then they come home after a long shift and they're just completely drained. Like you said, they don't ever know, ever know. Even as a first responder, you still answer all type of calls. And you never know what you're going to answer to. You never know mm-hmm. day in and day out when you walk out of your house whether you are a black man, whether you are a black woman, whether you are called to serve, you never know if you're going to make it home that day. So that goes back to what we were saying. Yes, black lives matter, but it has to, we can't, it can't be all or nothing. Or if I say that all lives matter, then I'm attacked because I have to be open. And that goes back to that whole right or wrong thing. I can't say that all lives matter because then that means that I'm saying that black lives don't matter when that's not the case because I'm a black woman. <laughs> no. And I, I can't, it's just like you're you're so stuck. And, and it is such a disconnect and we need to, that's why I have all these ideas and I'm trying to piece them together, trying to figure out how to put them out there. But Danica was right. We need to get off of social media because back in time, things where racism was very much still alive, but we also knew our neighbors. 
whether we were a black yes. family and our neighbors were a white family, we all came together. As Trina was saying, her son may be the one or two black um, young man out of the group, but he's grown up with very good friends. We don't we don't have that because there is such a huge disconnect in relationships. It is because of social media. Nowadays, the kids are not even outside playing. They are on social right. media either bullying. Right. It's so right, many different right. things. So we need to we need to definitely figure out a way to and I've seen some ideas and I definitely have some ideas, but then again I don't know which way to go because you have this whole fear thing. Or you have people that want to be on this side of the fence or you can't you can't be on both. You can't it's just like it's very it's different now. It's very different. I want to make sure we hear from everyone. I haven't heard Kristen in a while, and Kristen, I would love to get your viewpoint either as a parent, step-parent, somebody who works with couples. Uh, I imagine you may see diversity in the couples. What are your thoughts for us and our audience? Well, I was actually um, just about to comment right before Maisha jumped in. Um but yeah, it's it's the um it's it's really it boils down to the education. And I think back to all of the the history classes that we've had and and for those who've actually lived through the civil rights movement and 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 earlier, you know, our grandparents or or what have you. Um it really just boils down to the education because one of the bigger challenges is the fact that uh, for the most part when when black people came to america it was with we had a negative connotation stamped on us from from jump street mm-hmm. and over the over the decades and over the centuries as we have evolved and you know focused more on equality and and gained more rights and became uh more prevalent in in america there were many, many people who embraced it, and there were many people who were still stuck in the old ways and and the old mm-hmm. mentalities. And of course, whatever you teach, whatever you believe, you naturally pass that down mm-hmm. to your children and their children, and, and et cetera. So I feel that's one of the the bigger challenges that we have right now is the education. And one of the things that my pastor touches on, um, especially as we were talking about social media and what have you. Um, specifically when it comes to television, she said that uh, television is telling a vision. So she said who, who, whoever it is that is who, – who owns the networks and who's, who's making the, the final yep. decisions on the programming or what have you, yep. it's, it's ultimately their opinion and, and, and the views of that yep. network or the people who, who work on yeah. that network. Because when you think about so many of the, the news networks, um, and and the news stories, the, even the the newspaper articles and what have you, even the blogs that come out, um, it's it's all of. Of course, you want it's it's, a, it's supposed to be catchy. It's supposed to get your attention so that you read it and or, or that you so that you st- stick around after the commercial and watch that segment. But the challenge is so many of it. So many of these stations and and news stories are sharing negative stories, and of course they are highlighting what may be going on in a particular area or what have you. And I know for me, um, I live in Baltimore, like live in Baltimore City. So last year when we were dealing with the riots, it was it was the first time that it really, really, mm-hmm. it really clicked for me because I 
I knew where I lived and I saw what was going on in my neighborhood and, and, and beyond and my route to work and what have you. But then I also saw what was coming across social media and all the video clips and, and the news stories. And people really – the news made it see, appear that Baltimore had really become a war zone at that point. And they were showing how they brought in extra military and, and all this extra uh, mm. law enforcement backup. And, and all the stuff that they were showing on the news literally made it seem like – Baltimore was a complete war zone, and I remember getting all these, you know, text messages and posts, and it's like, are you okay, and and, and what's going on, and I'm like, and, and it was interesting because the day that those riots broke out, I didn't even realize what was going on. I had no clue, and it wasn't until I started to see some stuff on social media, and I'm like, what, what in the world is going on? But knowing that everything they were showing on the news networks and all of the video clips they were showing, they literally covered maybe three blocks of Baltimore, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, you know, mm-hmm. so, you know, nowhere in my route in, in my neighborhood and in, in my route to work. And, and I was traveling mm-hmm. a good 20 minutes to work and I, and I even worked in the heart of downtown Baltimore. So none of that, none of that was affecting my life. You know, it, 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 I was, you know, uh, and I, and I, and it was so interesting because that was the first time, like I said, it, it really clicked for me that what the news shows is only a snippet. It's all, it really is only right. a highlight of a particular situation. It's not holistic, and it, and it really never is. But so many people who may live in Wisconsin, who live in Oklahoma, who who may never even venture to the East Coast, you know. That is, and then of course we have homicide and and the wire that was shot here. So people really think that Baltimore is just this drug infested, you know, war zone. And, yeah. and you know, and I know many people think the same thing of Chicago. People think the same thing of Detroit, and you know, and so many other places that we stereotype because we we're never really educated and we're never. We we don't really take the time to get to know people and get to know areas and get to know facts, we, you know. And of course, now mm-hmm. with social media, we are in such an entertainment world. Everything is mm. about entertainment. People will post stuff on entertainment, didn't even attempt to fact check <laughs> anything. It is oh, this sounded good, and 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 you know, so we live off of gossip. And we live off of mm-hmm. whatever can get us emotionally charged, whether it's a feel-good mm-hmm. story or whether it's a hatred mm-hmm. story. Whatever's going to get us emotionally charged, that's what's going out there. And, you know, there's reasons why the Esquire has 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 lived as long as it has. And, you know, these gossip magazines and newspapers and, and all this type of stuff, because people want to be entertained. And anything mm-hmm. that's going to feed into whatever I already believe, regardless of mm-hmm. whether it's, it's true or not, it's true to me. So right. if I believe it, I'm going to continue to focus on the things that make it appear true to me or, or will support to make me feel better. Because as we've already mentioned, those fear factors are really real. So if you don't know, we are operating out of fear, the fear of the unknown. And we all have that in us, but it's up to us to be mature enough and to become educated enough to step beyond that and say, why am I so fearful of something that I know nothing about? Why am I so fear- fearful of something that I'm only assuming? You know, but it's because 
oh, this is what my grandfather told me, this is what my mom told me, and, and, and my mom's word is bond. And, and, and I saw that, that one black person that, that did a really bad thing, so it must be all of them. And because I don't interact with them on a regular basis or, you know, I'm, I'm not in their environments on a regular basis, it must be true, and therefore I'm going to safeguard myself. And we all have a, a certain level of stereotypes. We all have some level of, of um, mm-hmm. prejudice that we have to be mindful of. You know, we, 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 go, we fall into the trap of generalization if we're home with our friends and with our family, just having, you know, relaxed conversations, you know, and, and just having a good time. More often than not, you will see those type of generalizations and, and prejudices come out. So we all have it on some level. It's just a matter of what you do with it and how true it is to your, your everyday living. Mm-hmm. Powerful. That is definitely something to think about, but that is very, 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 very true. It is all about education. And, you know, just being just being fearful and this it's definitely it's disheartening because if you don't if you don't ask, you don't know. And that's just basically mm-hmm. how I was raised. If you have a question about something just ask, and mm-hmm. let it be. It was so funny because when we talk about just ask if you don't know something. I was in the car with my friend one day, and my friend is white. And I said, you know, I said, I don't. I said this is very touchy for me. I said, I don't know. I said, I've always wanted to ask, but I'm going to ask you because I feel comfortable. I said, as a white woman, do you would you rather someone say that you're Caucasian or white? Because I kind of feel like white is kind of. She said, No, you can call me white. And I was like, Okay. And we just went on about our day. But, mm-hmm. you know, have, I, I think that those conversations and those types of questions are so powerful because mm-hmm. you don't, it is all about yeah. education and you don't know. And I could have been calling her something that was offensive or not saying anything at all because I, because I didn't know. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I just asked mm-hmm. the question Absolutely. and she said, okay, I'd rather, I'd rather this or I'd rather A, I'd rather just have those just have those discussions and I think that's something that needs to be done within our community. Um, whether it's with and I and I think I touched on this a little bit um in the last show, but just talking about how we can get law enforcement to come together and I've seen them in different parts of the world and different states and things like that, but just having law enforcement and communities come together and actually have these discussions. Um, but like we say, that it's a lot of fear, and you know we're afraid to offend others. Therefore, not going to offend. Or, but I rather, I rather if we put something out there and maybe something offends you, we can clear it up than for us to have all these assumptions and be fearful and pull out a gun and kill someone. Mm-hmm. It's really That's all about our, our our intentions, don't you think? I mean. Even in the conversations where you ask someone, what would you like me to call you? As long as the intention is pure, then it comes out mm-hmm. the right way. And, right. Um, and if, but if your intention is to ridicule or, you know, make fun of, you can ask that same question in a different tone and in a different manner to get a whole totally different response. So I, it feels like intention is really behind all of it. And what you're trying to get across. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And 
It's good. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so guys, I have to say, you know, we just came off the Olympics, and I was affected by this one um, commercial that ran, the one with Maya Angelou um, reciting her poem. Do you guys remember that one, The Human yes. Family? Yes. So powerful, the images. Oh, my gosh. Well, I actually, if you don't mind, I pulled up the poem. Do you mind if I read a few lines? Heck no. Go for it. (laughs) I just feel like it's so perfect. And I'm going to share the video on my page, and I'm going to share it in the events that we did, too. But it's called The Human Family by Maya Angelou, and I will not do justice to her beautiful, melodic voice. But here goes. <laughs> I note the obvious differences in the human family. Some of us are serious. Some thrive on comedy. Some declare their lives are lived as true profundity, and others claim they live the real reality. The variety of our skin tones can confuse, bemuse, delight, brown and pink and beige and purple, tan and black and white. I've sailed upon the seven seas and stopped in every land. I've seen the wonders of the world, not yet one common man. And then at the end, I love these last couple um, stanzas. I note the obvious differences between each sort and type, but we are more alike, my friends, than we are unalike. We are more alike, my friends, than we are unalike. And I just really feel like that, I mean, and that just hit me again. You know, I've, as, I, as I shared earlier, I've been uh, kind of much more um, kind of open and taking in a lot of what's going on in our society right now. But when that, when I saw that video for the first time, that commercial, and the, the images of all these different people from all different racial backgrounds from all around the world, um, the the smiling faces, the different ethnic um, garb and things of that nature. It it was just like it washed over me, and it was healing. Excellent. So let's start to wrap up this super amazing discussion tonight. I'm so grateful to all of you for sharing your views on this. We talked a lot about a lot of the issues, and we spoke about some solutions, but I think it's probably great if we end with a specific solution Uh, and particularly something that each of us is going to do as a result of this discussion tonight to further the conversation, to help America be a more diverse and inclusive place. So since I'm putting that out there, it's only fair that I start. Uh, I know I've shared this with a couple of you, but uh, now I'm sharing it with the rest of you, and of course anybody who's listening I want to start a race channel here on the Life Coach Radio Networks Mm. where we can have entire episodes devoted to this very important topic that we talked about for 90 minutes tonight. So Mm -hmm. uh, that's my plan, and I have a couple people who are interested in it, but uh, I'll certainly start promoting it more uh, so that we can potentially... Uh, have a new network where we can have conversations like this more often. Mm-hmm. So that's my idea, and uh, I'm sticking to it. Who wants to go next? <laughs> what they're going to do and what their solution is, uh, what they can do in their life. 
Trina, maybe let's go to you. Uh, what is your solution slash to-do item? Okay, so for me, part of what I uh, want to do is actually be more intentional about um, being more inclusive in my friendships. So I am going to take it for myself um, within the next three days to really uh, reach out to some, I've got plenty of white friends, plenty of black friends, you know, reach out to some people who, so who I know that I haven't been in touch with in a while who are from other racial backgrounds and, um, and just connect and reconnect. And then I also have an idea, actually, Russ, for, for us as a, as a network. I have been thinking about um, as we're going into to um, the holiday season and into fall, wondering if we could do something around charity. But I'm wondering if we might want to think about, and I'll just put this out there to our group for us to process more, um, putting another spin on our kindness challenge and having a intercultural racial element to it. Mm. What do you guys think about that? That will be nice. Yeah, I love the sound of that and would be happy mm-hmm. to talk to you to help you flesh out how that would look and work, et cetera. Okay, awesome. Maisha, you are our fearless leader tonight. How about we go to you? What's your <laughs> idea slash to-do item as it relates to inclusion? For me personally, um, I am along the lines of what Trina was saying is being a little bit more intentional. Um, as we talked about education being a big key factor, um, I don't know everything. I don't claim to have all of the answers. Um, so I choose to be more intentional. I do have uh, many friends that are white or from other backgrounds. Um, so anything that I don't know, um, you know, I would be more intentional in asking those, you know, those questions so that I can just get a better understanding and get, you know, that education. Also, what I would like to do um, is I haven't come up with a name for it yet, but what I would like to do within my community is um, I plan to maybe do an event to get with local um, law enforcement and maybe some individuals from the community and just have, like, an open discussion you know, to bring one another together. Um, so I haven't thought of the name of it yet, um, and I'm a little bit nervous on trying to pull this off myself. Um, but I think I'll, you know, I think it'll work out, and I have other people that I know that'll be able to fully, you know, support me and get in there. But I think that's something that definitely needs to be done because we and things are not going to get better until we begin to bridge the gap, the major gap. Yeah. I love it, and I I love the doing something in your community aspect of it. That's something that we haven't brought up yet, but certainly is a great way to have it expand beyond just us. Um, so we're lucky to have you as our fearless leader, Maisha. Thank you for pulling us all together and organizing us and making this work. Brenda, let's go to you as our rookie on the race show. <laughs> All of us have. <laughs> I feel it. like a rookie too because I've been. My hands are sweaty because it's like, oh, all these just beautiful ideas. <laughs> I don't have a beautiful idea. And I, honestly, I, I, 
you know, I've been just racking my brain, what can I do, what can I do? And that usually means for me that I need to focus back on myself. So I think that's what I'm going to say. My thing will be to start really reflecting about the ways in which I look at differences, the way I project that energy out into the world and um, make sure that, you know, I'm a role model for that. And, um, you know, once I'm confident that I've got that done, then I think I can take the message to my radio program. I can take the message uh, through my social media posts and into the small community that I live in here in Tennessee. You know, we have a small development here in the woods, and maybe we could, around the holiday time, talk about the holidays and all the different faiths and culture and what they represent to those people and just become more familiar. So I'm in awe that all of you have these these really great ideas about how to go out into the world and, and make it better. So I'm the rookie. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, uh, I like that you, you know, didn't just come up with something uh, that, you know, that ne- didn't necessarily resonate with you. I like your honesty, and uh, I know you're going to do a lot of good. And it was really awesome hearing your viewpoints tonight. Um, it was awesome hearing everyone's viewpoints, but not yes. having done a, sh- a show with you personally before. It was really excellent getting to know you better, and um, I'm grateful to you for sharing your perspective, Brenda. Uh, thank you, Russ. Thanks, everybody. I thought it was a really beautiful show. Excellent. Great. Kristen, let's go to you. Uh, What solutions do you have for us from Baltimore? And uh, thanks to you, too, for sharing your perspective on Baltimore. I didn't get to comment on it earlier, but um, I I really appreciated hearing what your experience was and how it was different than what we all saw in the news from other cities. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and, and for me, it really is the education and being more aware of, um, as I mentioned, you know, just being honest about what my own prejudices are. And, and more often than not, it's simply because of a lack of knowledge and a lack of education. So knowing that I have uh, two young daughters, they are four and five, and so they are at crucial ages right now where, of course, they ask a lot of questions, but they are so impressionable. So it's um, by just simply by having them over the past five years, it's it's been an amazing um, revelation for how how I, how I handle life. And being mindful of what I um, what I put into them, and, and the, my my personal thoughts and ideas, and what I'm I'm creating for them, as opposed to what they're creating for themselves or what they're learning on their own. So for me, it's really more about educating myself and also allowing my girls to be exposed to so many different things. Fortunately, they they are in an, um, a very diverse school setting at an early age and you know they you know even when i hear them playing with their barbie dolls and stuff they say is white barbie and brown barbie and you know so so it's important for me to recognize that we do see color because just you know as at the young ages they are learning about colors they're learning about differences but i think uh, i think was my issue or someone mentioned before it's it's even though we have these differences, they are okay, and it's just a matter of acknowledging them. So for me, it's important to remember that 
it's not a matter of saying I don't see color or, or you know, none of that matters. It does matter because it makes makes you who you are. You It makes you unique. And, and especially having little girls, I want to build their self-esteem. I want them to know they are beautiful, they are individuals, even, you know, between sisters. They are different, even though they're raised in the same family, the same household. They have a lot of similarities, but they have a lot of differences, and that is okay, and that is to be celebrated. And we need to carry that out to everyone that we meet. And, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're great at asking questions, you know, strangers or whoever, and I love that. And I want them to be comfortable doing that and, and continuing that because that is how we learn you know, and exposing them to different different environments. And then also, again, I'm allowing myself to become more educated in various areas, different religions, different races, different parts of the world, so that I can share my, my education with them and also allow them to experience the world however they choose to. I love your answer, and I also love that I was literally going to ask you about school for them and how diverse it is. And it's so freaking cool that you said that without me even asking, which just shows energy attracts like energy, and we are super connected, my friend. And uh, it's always great to do a show with you. This is twice this month we got to be on the air together, which must be an all-time for us. Absolutely. No. <laughs> Love it. All right, last but not least, Danica, um, take us home. What are your final thoughts slash your specific to-do item that you're going to do as a result of our discussion tonight? Uh, Well, first I'm going to speak for Talisha. She said the things that she is going to do personally is uh, continue to choose love over fear. And Mm -hmm. I will be the first to applaud her for that because love wins every time. You can't do better than that. And when we walk in love and speak in love and live in love, things have to start changing. So um, I will support her in that. And for me, it's something that I've started a while back and had let side, but I'm going to ask you guys to hold me accountable for this. At least one time a month, I'm going to fully disconnect so that I can reconnect. First with myself and get centered and get grounded and get really clear on who I am and what, how I want to show up in the world, and then I'm going to reconnect with people that I've lost touch with. And mm-hmm. as a side note, I'm going to um, definitely be on board with the new station. So count me oh, in for yeah. that, Russ. Uh, Excellent. But, yeah, disconnect, reconnect is, is so at least one totally disconnect from all electronics, um, everything, unless I'm using them to reconnect with people that I've lost touch with. And y'all get to, like I said, hold me accountable to see if I've done it. So I like you. that. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Well, I think we have heard from everyone. Uh, please correct me if I'm wrong and we didn't. And uh, thank you to everyone who is listening tonight. Uh, we appreciate your commitment to making yourself more aware and making America more inclusive in your part of the world. So. 
Or Maisha Avery, Trina Ramsey, Danica Treble, Brenda Baird, and Kristen Young. Did I get everyone? I hope so. And Talisha. <laughs> well, real quick, Ross. Talisha, <laughs> and, her, her final thought was uh, choose love over fear. Uh, well, that is a great note to end on. Uh, Talisha had to hop off. But choose love over fear. I love it. We love you for listening. I love my Life Coach Radio Network's colleagues. And until next time, when we do a race show together, perhaps on a network entirely devoted to this, we're grateful to you for listening. Thanks for joining us. And make it a great rest of the day and night. Love you, too. Bye. 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 Thank you.